Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Skift Research Analyst session. I'm Megan Carty, Research Associate here at Skift, and I'm joined by Rebecca Stone, Senior Research Analyst who wrote a very interesting recent report, a deep dive into operating and branding strategies for hotels. Today, we're going to talk about some of the key takeaways from that report and learn more about what it means to be a hotel owner in today's environment. So let's dive right in. Rebecca, I know the report goes into a lot of detail on branding decisions, our view on independents, non-branded management companies, soft brands, and more. But just to start, can you um, give us some of the basics for listeners? Can you go over some of the different ways to own a hotel and the pros and cons of each? Sure, Megan. So there are now tons of permutations on how to structure the ownership or operational structure of a hotel. But for simplicity's sake, I'll just say there are four ways to own a hotel. One, you can own and operate the hotel yourself, but have some sort of franchise agreement to flag the property with a brand. Two, you can own the property, but use a non-branded operator to run the hotel and remain independent. You can own the hotel, use either a non-branded operator with a franchise agreement or a branded operator to operate the hotel as a brand. Or four, you can own and operate the hotel as a completely independent property. Now, when it comes to doing a franchise agreement or a management agreement or going it alone, the owner essentially has to decide how much control she or he wants. With franchise agreements, the owner would be able to maintain operational control while benefiting from access to global distribution systems, loyalty programs, brand marketing, et cetera. The downside would be losing control over branding decisions or marketing or Contracts tend to be long and other various factors. Now, when it comes to management agreements, you don't necessarily need the expertise to run the hotel because you hire somebody else to do that. The challenge is you have to pay those base fees regardless of how that operator performs relative to its competitive set. Finally, if you want to do everything yourself, ownership is great, but obviously you bear all financial risk and have to pay for marketing and do everything yourself, essentially. That's super interesting, Rebecca. Um, Can you give us any perspective on where the world stands for some context? How many hotels are branded versus not branded or managed versus franchised? So in North America, hotels are primarily branded at around 70% versus 30% unbranded. This is mostly due to a lot of the major brand chains consolidating and demonstrating significant growth via contract acquisitions, which we can discuss in more detail later. It's a different story in the rest of the world where it's basically essentially the opposite. In Europe, for instance, the hotel industry is about 40% branded and 60% not. We at Skift Research estimate the for the entire world, it's about 50-50 at this point, but this clearly indicates there's a lot of branding opportunities internationally. Now, when it comes to franchise versus managed versus owned, based on company filings for Marriott, Hilton Choice, Hyatt, Accor, IHG, and China Lodging Group, we estimate that the U.S. is approximately 80% franchise, 19% managed, and only 1% owned or leased for the major brands. However, internationally, given that the industry remains very fragmented still, we estimate that about 14% of rooms are owned or leased, 55% are managed or operated, and 31% are franchised. Now, the possible explanation as to why things are more managed abroad is that management agreements allow the operator to maintain more control over the day-to-day operations at the property, as well as gain more expertise in a potentially foreign or new or different geographic region. 
Wow. So based on what you're saying, I suppose that would imply that the major brands would have been shifting more toward franchise um, and being asset light. Can you help us better understand why this trend is happening? Yeah, yeah. So as many people know, we're seeing the large public hospitality and major brand chains essentially exiting hotel ownership. There's three key reasons that we see why this trend is happening. For one, the business models are more profitable. Franchise margins can be in the upper 50s or 60 percentage range, and management contracts are somewhat below that. And then ownership margins tend to be somewhere in the teens or 30s range, depending on where we are in the cycle. The reason for that is that when you have a franchise or management contract, you're essentially earning a fee based on a percentage of revenues or a relatively on, on top of a relatively stable amount of overhead. So any incremental contracts that you gain are essentially just flow through for the major brands. And then they don't have to worry about real estate values or volatility, which leads me to my second point, which is that the business models for franchise and management are more stable because contracts are based on fees, either a percentage of revenue or some fees are based on um, uh, on a per booking or a reservation basis, but essentially the fees reduce volatility for owned hotels. The owners have to deal with an extremely fixed cost structure. Keep in mind, they're paying for labor, marketing, capital expenditures, everything, all of which has to continue, even if we're in an economic recession and the revenues just aren't there. We saw this in the last economic recession when asset-heavy hotel companies that we analyzed were down close to 35%, while asset-light companies were only down 19%. Um, and this is on an EBITDA or earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization basis. So basically, brands are essentially de-risking themselves by being asset-light. And finally, number three, investors recognize these benefits. They see higher margins and more operational stability as being associated with asset light as being worth a higher stock price valuation. So Choice, which is a completely asset light hotel company, for instance, essentially allows, has always, um, excuse me, traded at a higher valuation than say a Hotel Reed or a Hyatt, for instance. Um, so why do people own hotels then? Well, <laughs> because some people love not only to make a return on a real estate investment, but also the opportunity to wow guests with a unique experience and provide a place of shelter or a space for people to meet and gather, you know, a community. When a hotel owner appropriately positions a property by making smart, efficient, innovative decisions, the outcome can be a financially rewarding and personally fulfilling experience. Not to mention, particularly in expansionary times, given hotels have relatively fixed cost structures, the cash returns can actually be pretty hefty. All right, that makes sense. Um, then why don't we just dive in and you explain some of the benefits of affiliating with a major brand such as Marriott or Hilton? Sure. The the biggest reason that hotel owners may want to become associated with a brand, either via a franchise agreement or a management contract, is that there really is strength in numbers. And this can benefit a hotel owner in a number of ways. For one, brands have huge loyalty programs that can help drive travelers to the property in low demand times. I mean, Marriott has 110 million members now and Hilton is at 71 million plus. Chrissy Gothride of Apple Hospitality Re told Skiff Research in an interview that the loyalty percentage at their branded properties was in the mid 50% range. 
meaning if they cut off access to brands, they lose 50% of their occupancy. Other benefits include lower distribution costs as the major brands are able to negotiate lower commission rates with the online travel agencies like Expedia and Priceline are now booking in the low teens, whereas some independents may pay up to 30% commissions to the OTAs. Access to big travel buyers and GDS like Sabre and Amadeus also bring in a lot of business to these properties. The major brands are also generally able to negotiate procurement savings, you know, in terms of inventory on behalf of owners. And in addition, although owners pay for the marketing, the, the collective dollar amount of total owner marketing dollars can just have more power and have farther reach than an individual hotel owner can likely do on its own. And the major brands also investigate new technologies on behalf of the owners before rolling them out, a cost that some owners aren't really able to pay for themselves. It's also true that certain properties make a lot of sense to have a brand on them, such as large big box convention type hotels. They're sometimes better suited to being managed by, you know, say a Marriott or a Hyatt because the major brands, they have considerable expertise in running these large complicated properties with a national sales force to back it that help organize food and beverage and catering and large conventions and other types of meetings um, better than, than, than potentially others could do. And then finally, I mean, it's worth mentioning, sometimes hotel owners are branded simply because they were interested in a piece of real estate that was already encumbered with a management or franchise agreement and breaking it would just be too costly for the owner. Well, that sounds like that's a lot of benefits of brand affiliation. How should a hotel owner go about making a decision um, on which brand to affiliate? That's a tough question, Megan, because obviously these decisions are very property specific and need to be made on an individual basis. When you evaluate the incremental demand that can be brought on from associating with a particular brand versus another, there are so many variables that make it a very difficult analysis. And demand can be dependent on market dynamics just as much as whichever brand the property is affiliated with. And after making all of these analyses and decisions, an owner may just never really know if they've made the right choice. But Skiff Research developed a proprietary brand matrix with some key public items that hotel owners can track to think about which brands are doing what needs to be done to provide the most value to their owners. For instance, we ranked seven major brand chains, Marriott, Hilton, IHG, Hyatt, Choice, Accor, and Wyndham on items such as the number of loyalty members and their contribution to occupancy and estimated costs for their overall franchise fees um, and fees per booked room night, which ties tries to ascertain how much an owner would be paying in fees relative to the booked nights they'd be getting from a brand. There's also an estimate for consumer satisfaction, engagement on the brand.com websites and several other factors to sort of assess the quality of an overall brand portfolio. Through this analysis, we found that Marriott and Hilton are neck and neck at the top and Wyndham is currently in last place. Subscribers can see the full matrix within the report and see the different um, 13 metrics that we ranked them on. And it'll be interesting to see how these metrics track over time because, for instance, with Wyndham's recent announced acquisition of La Quinta, the company will be beefing up its mid-scale management sort of segment as well as adding in new geographies. And perhaps we see an improvement in Wyndham's overall value to hotel owners owner over time. And that will be reflected in that. 
That's awesome. The brand matrix is super interesting and our subscribers should definitely take a look at it. I guess looking at the other side of the coin now, why would someone want to be independent? Well, the interesting aspect is that the major brand chains have been getting out of hotel ownership, but they've also been consolidating and building their portfolios. The problem then for hotel owners, at least, is that the bigger the major chains get, the farther away they get from the day-to-day -day operations, the harder it is to turn on a dime, and at times the harder it is to be creative. These major chains often roll out initiatives that might be challenging for an individual property to swallow from a cost standpoint, or something that might not even make sense at a certain or given property. At the end of the day, it might make more sense to be independent when the property has a unique sense of place or is in a specific market where adding a brand wouldn't necessarily drive incremental demand, but it would certainly result in incremental costs. Take, for instance, a property in a unique destination like a, like a university hotel. It might not make sense to become a Marriott or a Hilton or a whatever because there are just so many events that are going on that are associated with that particular university that the property has enough demand and adding a brand wouldn't necessarily benefit it in any way. Urban markets such as New York also make it easier to be independent because there are always conventions, events, et cetera, that take place in the city that help drive business. And keep in mind that when you add a, a brand to a property, you're going to pay a percent of your revenues to that brand, regardless of whether all of your demand came to that property simply because of the brand. There's also something to be said for the experiential trend we're seeing. In our U.S. Experiential Travel Trends 2018 report that Skiff Research did, we found that avid travelers care a lot more about the surrounding area of their accommodation as well as price rather than necessarily their loyalty or affiliation with a particular brand. Independent properties that are able to successfully offer a sort of unique experience that is definitely something consumers are clearly looking for more these days. In addition, technology has also made it easier than ever to make your presence known. Whereas historically, independent properties really had to be on an OTA just to be seen or needed access to a brand simply because that brand would send business their way, you're seeing more and more independents like standard hotels, ace hotels, public, just how successful they can be by having a strong social media presence, using technology to enhance their guest experiences and engaging with their consumers more directly that creates a beneficial relationship both ways and helps an independent property be successful. So you mentioned um, the OTAs. What's your outlook on distribution costs for hotel owners? You know, we expect distribution fees are going to continue to decline. For one, the brands are getting better at negotiating lower commission rates with the OTAs on behalf of their hotel owners and encouraging direct booking. At the same time, OTAs need to do what they can to maintain independent inventory on their website rather than see more independence turn to say soft brands or even Airbnb, who knows, in search of lower distribution costs. There's a lot of changes in the distribution landscape. And this should, in theory, just lower distribution costs for the entire industry as a whole as competition increases. Raymond Mart, CFO of Pebblebrook Hotel Trust, made an interesting point in an interview with Skiff Research when he said, when brands and OTAs fight it out, we, meaning the hotel owners, gain. You mentioned competition. Um, what's your expectation for the brand's distribution platforms? So the brands, like I said, are increasingly shifting out of owning. And so we expect them to shift more and more 
um, even more out of managing hotels and more into franchising, which is even less volatile, makes it easier to pursue tuck-in acquisitions and helps them better cater to independent properties via their soft brands. As a result, that's going to make them increasingly look like a distribution platform with a loyalty program, not that much dissimilar from an OTA. What does that mean for non-branded operators? So non-branded operators have been getting a little bit more attention for being better aligned with hotel owners than brands anyway. When we say non-branded, we're referring to the managers who operate the hotel on behalf of the owner, but who aren't necessarily affiliated with a major brand chain. I'm talking about companies such as Sage, Interstate, Davidson, Ambridge. There's a whole bunch. These non-branded operators are interesting because their contracts tend to be a little bit more flexible than the branded management agreements, more economical, whereas branded operators' alliances are ultimately to the parent brand. Non-branded operators, they ultimately want to do more business with hotel owners, so they want to operate the property as efficiently as possible so that the hotel owner is happy. As a result, we expect management contract incentives will increasingly become more aligned with the hotel owners over time. And there's opportunity for non-branded operators to grow as major brands shift more and more towards franchise and less about management agreements. Based on our estimates, there's about 725,000 brand managed rooms in the U.S. And given there's about 690,000, 700,000 non-branded managed rooms, these non-branded operators could essentially double their size. Wow, that's interesting. We've been hearing a lot more about soft brands. What are your expectations there? We think there's huge potential for soft brands. Now, soft brands are interesting because the owner is gaining access to distribution, loyalty, and some of the other benefits that brands offer, but isn't having to comply with costly brand standards. The property is able to maintain essentially its own unique identity and not have to turn the property into something cookie cutter. The major brands have been seeing significant growth rates in their soft branded hotels, and it's a strong way for them to target those independent properties who don't necessarily want to change, but feel the need to gain that access to demand um, the social reach via technology that they otherwise couldn't do on their own. In the report, we forecast soft brands for five major brand chains could reach about 136,000 rooms by 2019, which is representing significant growth for them. We see a very strong flight path from here. So do you think independent hotels will go away at some point? No, no. There will always be a place for independence. There will always be hotel owners who just want to do it themselves, who want to create a unique experience that guests have never seen before. At the end of the day, hospitality will always remain a people business, first and foremost, and the properties that are able to offer guests a special experience will be the most successful. What does this mean for the likes of Airbnb? Well, there's definitely room for Airbnb to get more involved here, and it looks like they have what appears to be an insatiable appetite, but listeners will have to tune in to that into the next skipped call, the Airbnb threat, next Tuesday, March 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear more about that. Thanks so much for sharing some of your thoughts today, Rebecca, from this interesting deep dive for hotel owners. Subscribers can check out the full report on the website, as well as the latest from Skift Research at research.skift.com. Thanks everyone for tuning in. 